Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. Today is round number, I just had to count, nine of the game. We are currently tied, I believe. Is that right, Mike? I think we're, we're tied right now. I think it's 4-4. I'm pretty sure. I think we are. Anyways, so uh, this is going to be an interesting round. Uh, Mike, you're you're currently malnourished. Is that correct? That's what <laughs> yeah. I've heard. That's what you said. <laughs> Pretty much. Because your your dental your dental issues. Okay. Well, um, Mike will need to perform today's case in real ABM oral boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the full case. He does not know what the case is ahead of time. If he hits all of the critical actions that I've listed out beforehand, he wins. And if he doesn't, or if he performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases were created by me. They're not actual ABEM cases or real-life patients. All right, Mike, you ready to go? Let's do this. Dr. Estefan, take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Outline a human body on the left side of it and let me know when you're ready. I'm all ready for you. Let's do it. Okay. This is going to be a single patient encounter. You have 15 minutes to complete the case. Before we begin, do you have any questions? I just want to say that the day that you say this is going to be a double patient encounter, I'm going to crap my pants, but for now I'm good. Well, yeah. well, there's not actually double patient encounters. It's um, either single it's either or triple? Singles, it's singles or triples. Oh, interesting. Singles or triples. Maybe we'll just do doubles, though. I don't know, because that way you're not ready. <laughs> no, it's... um. Well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Are you, a, maybe when you're a second year, maybe we'll do some triples when you're a second year oh. or maybe when you're a first year, when you least expect it. I don't know. Well, <laughs> maybe never. All right. Let's All right. go. Okay. So they're going to have you confirm the candidate identification on your, your screen. You click agree. I'm going to get my timer going here. Let's go. All right. All right. Dr. Estefan, you are working at ABEM General when the nurse comes and grabs you for a patient brought back from the lobby who is having a seizure. Having a seizure. Okay. Um, I walk into the room. What do I see? You see a patient who is having a seizure. Okay. What What do they look like? Um, so they are they are not really responding on all four extremities. It's kind of a tonic clonic seizure. Uh, they they are, are you know I don't know moaning or something, and uh, they have a little little a little drool on the okay. side of their mouth. All right. They look like they're having a seizure. And there's all nurses and techs and everyone's there to, to, there to assist you. Do we have any access on this patient? Um, no. Would you like some? Uh, yeah. If we could, I mean, we can start by giving, let's give four of lorazepam IM while we start working on some peripheral IV access. And can we get this patient hooked up on the monitor, on tele, get a continuous pulse ox going? All right, so um, you have two large bore IVs established. You have pulse oximetry going. They're on the cardiac monitor. Four milligrams of intramuscular lorazepam has been administered. Okay, and what do we know about this patient? Male, female, how old? Um, the patient is uh, a male, um, about about your age. All right, so 28-year-old male. Okay. Um, is he still seizing after the four of Ativan? Yes. All right. Let's do four of IV Ativan now that we have access. All right. So you've given four milligrams of IV Ativan. Any change? No. All right. 
Um, let's try, we can try that one more time. Four more of IV Ativan. All right, you're given another four of IV Ativan. It's given. Okay, and do we, can I get a set of vitals? What What's going on in the monitor? Um, sure. His heart rate is 90. His blood pressure is 120 over 80. Um, his respiratory rate is now four. His O2 saturation is 92%. Lovely. All right. Um, so this, we may have oversedated this guy. Um, I am going to prepare, and he, he's still seizing? Yes. All right. Um, I'm going to prepare to intubate this guy. Um, what do I want to give him? So he's seizing. So we're going to use, um, for a sedative propofol cause it has anti-seizure properties. Um, how much does he weigh about? 70 kilograms, 70 kilograms. And can we get someone bagging him? I'm sorry. Um, yep. Um, so there are people performing bag valve mask ventilation. Great. Um, so I will give him a hundred and we'll go two mix per kick. I'll give him 140 of propofol and we can do, I don't know, like 70 of rock. You want to give the patient 140 milligrams of propofol or sorry, micrograms of propofol and 70 of rock. Uh, it should be milligrams, right? Is it milligrams? It's milligrams. Uh. Yeah, milligrams. <laughs> and then, yeah, 70 of rock. And then tube him. Um, is it milligrams? Hold on. Pause here. Pause. We'll right. figure this out. Is it micrograms or milligrams? I'm almost I'm almost sure it's milligrams. I'm like 99.99% sure. 99.99. Oh, yep. All right. You're good. Boom. Yep. All right. It's milligrams. <laughs> all right. Good job. Sorry. I'll give you an extra 15 seconds bonus time for me looking at that. Actually, actually, can I, can I take back an action that I, I did instead? Sure. The nurses have not pushed the RSI meds yet. Great. Uh, can I give him a hundred of sucks instead of the rock? Cause I, I want to see his neuro exam. Rock will paralyze him for a while. Okay. hundred milligrams of sucks instead has been drawn up. All right. And Intubation? Successful? Um, sure. Sure? All right, he's been intubated. All right. Uh, and then can we get a post-intubation chest x-ray and start him on a propofol drip? Okay. Um, the pharmacist is hanging the propofol drip. And we can uh, what titrate that to, I guess, arousal, whatever the nursing protocol is. Okay. We'll go by protocol on the propofol drip. Um, your post-intubation x-ray is, is normal. Good tube placement. Sweet. Um, okay. Let's see. Oh, my God. I forgot to get a blood glucose on this guy. Can we get a blood glucose? Yep, it's 100. Okay, good. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and did we get a temp on this guy? Um, you did not. Uh, can we get a temp? Um, sure. It's 98.8. Okay. Woohoo. Bullets dodged. Um, Man, I have to cross off. I have a list of all of your failures so far. So I have to cross those off the list. <laughs> Just a little delayed. Um, a little delayed. Jumped the Sorry, gun a little happens. bit. All right. Um, okay. At least you got it. All right. Uh, I'm going to draw some pan labs and I want to get a CAT scan of his head. Um, can we get CBC, BMP, um, 
let's see, I don't know, a CK level. We could get, uh, honestly, we could get a UA, UC, look for infection. Um, you said the chest x-ray didn't show anything, right? Correct. Okay. Um, that's what I will do for now. Um, so you want a CBC, a BMP, a CK, and a urine. Am I missing anything? Yeah, for now. Um, and I assume the sucks has worn off by now. Is he still seizing? He's still seizing. Okay. Um, does he have – is there anyone that knows this guy around? Um, Any, one of the people are like, hey, I think this is a med student I've seen rotating through the ED. Oh, my God. Does anyone know if he has a remote history of TB that he's getting treated for? Uh, I mean, we never met this guy. We saw him around. He was around. You want us to how, – how would we know that? Okay, fair. Um, well, I guess if his chest X-ray looks good, I'm not too concerned about like an isoniazid overdose. Um, the only other thing that comes to mind right now is if he's severely hyponatremic. Did this guy like just come? I don't know. Um, I have never started hypertonic saline on anyone without having the sodium first. Um, but he's all right. Your um, labs are back. Um, CBC, CK, urine, normal. Uh, your BMP, you have a sodium of 140. You have a chloride of 96. You have a potassium of 4, bicarb of 22, BUN 22, creatinine 1, GAP 22, glucose 120. Okay, so he's not hyponatremic. A gap of what? He's not hyponatremic, 22. Um, the nurse has pulled up some old medical records on him. Uh, well... We should probably load him. We could load him with phosphen, like 20 megs per kg. Okay. Um, and what do we know about this guy? Um, so you have some medical records, just like some basic old stuff from his, you know, in the in the chart. Um, healthy guy, recently started treatment for latent TB on ice and oh, There we go. There we go. All right. Um, so <laughs> we need to give this guy, oh my gosh, it's, um, it's. What is it? Oh my goodness. It is. What is it? It's not gonna it be. It's not hydroxycobalamin. It's B six. It's vitamin B six, right? It's whatever vitamin B six is. I forget the name for it. <laughs> can you can you just... Far, the pharmacy the pharmacy med student knows that it is pyridoxine. Pyridoxine, yes. Vitamin B six. Yeah. Very good. All right. All right, fair enough. All right, let's start this guy on vitamin B six. <laughs> um can I call okay, pharmacy for dosing for um sure. isonized toxicity? Sure. Um they want to know how much isonized he took. Uh, I don't know. Um, standard TB dosing. Um, do you know how many pills he had in the bottle? I have no idea. Um, um, give five grams for an unknown. Okay. Five grams of pyridoxime. Okay. Um, a couple things I want to... Is this guy still seizing? No. Magic. Okay. Um, what are the, how the surprise? Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Couple things. Uh, can we call his family? Um, sure. Do we know anything? Family. About him? Um, 
we know very little, but families can come in. Okay. They're coming. Great. Uh, they'll well, be here. They'll be here tomorrow. They are out of state. He's out of state med student. All right. They want to just know what's going on. All right. Um, oh, they're on the phone right now. Sure. If you want to talk to him. Okay. Um, hi, I, <laughs> I'm Dr. Estefan. Uh, it seems that um, whoever, what's his name? <laughs> um, Sam Samuelson. Oh, I, I run into a lot of Sam Samuelsons here at ABM <laughs> General. Um, Sam Samuelson uh, was in the waiting room and he had a seizure. Um, we think it's oh, from no. we think it's from a medication he was taking called isoniazid. It's used to treat um, certain infections that. Um, medical students actually tend to get um and we treated him for that we're just trying to fight figure out some more information um do you know anything about his medical history does he have any allergies to medications um we know we're, we're a little bit estranged a little bit estranged but thanks for letting us know we don't really know too much about him cool okay uh, let me know if you have any questions yeah Super cool. Um, no, no questions. I guess we'll head out. All right. Um, on chart review, the nurse found an old chart. Any allergies? No allergies. Great. Um, and you said no medical history except for a latent B- TB treatment. Um, do we know why he was coming into the ED? Um, he uh, The triage note said he was having a bunch of like nausea and vomiting. Nausea? And regret. Nausea, vomiting, and regret? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Naja vomiting. Naja vomiting and feeling suicidal. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. What am I missing? Um, before I call psychiatry, um, I also want to add on an aspirin and acetaminophen level on him. Um, okay. I don't know if we can check isoniazid levels. Is that a thing? Can I, can I call the lab and ask them? <laughs> Lab's not gonna know that. All right. How would they know that? Uh, I have no idea if there's an ice nice level. Okay, whatever. If there is, though, they'll send it. Okay. If there is, they'll send it. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely, we're gonna they'll figure it out. We'll, we'll check that as- aspirin acetaminophen level. Um, I want a UDS. I want a uh, ethanol level as well. Um, I also would like to call. I want to place a consult for psychiatry for suicidal ideation slash suicide attempt. I want to call the tox center and or poison control and make sure there's nothing else I should be doing, like putting this guy on a pyridoxine drip or something like that. I would like to get them okay. involved. Okay. Um, that is also a good question. Okay. So let's see. You have psych. They're going to consult. Uh, they'll come on down and then poison control is on the line. Okay. Hi, Poison Control. How's it going? Hey. Thanks for giving us a call. What's up? Hey, no problem. Always love calling you guys. It's always an interesting case. Um, yeah, we've been looking forward to this call. <laughs> so I got a, a 28-year-old male. He's a med student. Sounds like he's getting treated for latent TB uh, with presumed isoniazid. He came in, um, I guess, suicidal, but he started seizing in the waiting room. Um, we gave him a crap ton of uh, Ativan, which he was not responding to, and actually uh, became 
uh, it severely depressed his respiratory drive, so he had to be tubed. But at that point, we got a little more history and realized it was a nice nice overdose, and so we gave him five grams of pyridoxine, and he seems to have stopped seizing at this point. His sodium uh, was within normal limits. Um, any further recommendations for management? Should this guy be on, like, a B6 drip? Um, I don't know if that exists. So you said you already gave him the five grams. Yeah. And then let's see. Um, That's a good question. We're going to talk to our toxicologist, Dr. Google. I'm going to read some papers here. (laughs) I have no idea about the drip either. Okay. I don't know if we do a drip or not. It's a little... We'll figure it we'll out. We'll get it figured out, though. We'll get it figured out. There will be a part a two when we figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. And we'll update update the the department. Oh, all right. Goodness gracious. Okay. Um, you can obviously do ice and eyes that in a drip. Oh. You can do what? Done. You can obviously do ice and eyes that in a dr- or sorry, paradoxium in a drip. I just don't know kind of what the typical protocol would be. All right. Anyways, so they're they're on board. They'll give the ICU some some recommendations. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, I would like to examine the patient because I have not yet. Oh my goodness! You're knocking off the things that I had on my list of your failures. Okay. Ha. Um. <laughs> well, let's see here. What would you like to know? Uh. So how's he look in general? Um, he has stopped seizing. He looks intubated. Okay. Is he sedated? Yes. Great. Um, let's see. Is Does he respond to pain? Um, like, sure. A little bit. Sternal rub. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, let's see. How's how, how do his lungs sound? Clear. On the ventilator. Okay. ET tube in place. Good pulses mm-hmm. everywhere. Yep. Okay. Um, does he seem to be moving all four extremities after I stimulate him to pain? Yes. Okay, cool. No Todd's paralysis. Um, let's see. And he's not like jaundiced or anything weird like that? Nope. Okay. I don't know what else I should really be looking for, but I would like to talk to psychiatry now and then call the MICU. To admit him. They'll consult. Mickey's on the phone. Okay. Um, hi, Mickey. My name's Mike. I'm one of the residents. Um, we got a patient for you who is intubated. Um, he's a 28-year-old male, a medical student, history of latent TB. Came to the ED, I guess, because he was depressed, suicidal. Um, it sounds like... Well, he started seizing in the waiting room. We gave him four of Ativan IM. By then, we established access and gave him four more times two IV. Um, at that point, his respiratory rate had dropped, so we started bagging him. He got tubed um, because he was he continued to seize at that point, and I was worried about his airway. At that point, we that was when we realized he had latent TB. It was probably isoniazid overdose, so we gave him five grams of pyridoxine. Um, I think he got he got a phosphatidyl loaded before that as well, um, before we realized it was the the B six that we needed to give him. He has stopped seizing. Um, we have a psych consult pending with pending aspirin, acetaminophen, ethanol levels, and a UDS pending. Tox is on board. Um, he seems to be moving all four extremities at this point. He's intubated. He's on a propofol drip for sedation, um, which we could. Um, wean per tox recommendations, I guess. I mean, wean his try to wean him off the vent per tox recommendations. Any questions? Perfect. 
Oh, no, that sounds good. That sounds good to us. By the way, there is an isonized level, but usually we don't send it off. And um, let's see, as far as the isonized, um, it doesn't look like you just do a continuous drip or anything like that. Open a correction. We'll continue to talk to the toxicologist. <laughs> okay. And that I- ends your case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That ends your case. I was all, all over the place again. Whew. Yeah, you were, man. You kind of were all over the place, to be honest. Um, no, I thought you did. I mean, how do you think you did? I mean, I think I considered the things I needed to consider. I think, you know, whenever, and this is like a common theme, but whenever I realize what's going on or whenever there's like an acute situation, like a resuscitation that needs to happen, I get very disorganized. I still end up coming back to things, I think, and getting covering all my bases, but it's not in the optimal order. <laughs> And that'll come with practice. I think you're right, because every time we've had these kind of cases that, you know, speed you along at the beginning, you tend to get ahead of yourself, you know, and the patient's intubated and, you know, getting all this stuff before, you know, anything, you know what I mean? Like before, you know, the sugar, before you've done an exam. And I think part of that's because in the real world, so much of it kind of happens all at the same time. And there's kind of your piece of it. And then there's, you know, people getting them undressed and there's a lot of visual cues that happen that kind of trigger you to know, you know, like the sugar is happening automatically, you know, people are getting them undressed. So you're kind of looking at the patient automatically and doing your, your physical exam. Um, but you, in the, on the test, you need to make sure you can kind of pause and, and prolong things out and be like, I'm going to do a physical exam, even if they're like seizing if that makes sense you don't want to, you know it, it you can still say i just want to do a quick physical exam or something like that yeah but i agree with you that's a recurring um error that you're making but part of that comes with time that's why you practice this and that's why it's so important to practice for this test because you realize things like that um there were three what was let's see what was the final um diagnosis uh isonized overdose yeah. And um, your critical action, you're correct. The critical actions were the ABCs on a critical patient, which you did because you did, you know, you did your airway stuff. You ended up doing RSI. Don't forget that there's other things that you can do, like suctioning, jaw thrust that you can articulate as well. There's other airway things that you can do other than just intubating them. You know, that's always good to remember. It makes you sound a little more composed. Yeah. <laughs> um, you did the BVM for when their respiratory rate got low, you had them hooked up to the monitor. So I would say you did initiate the ABCs on a critical patient. One of the critical actions was obtaining a finger stick blood glucose. I thought you're going to miss that, but you caught it. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Um, but it was, I think you would lose some points there for having it be so delayed. Oh yeah. But you want completely bomb it. It's not like you didn't check it at all, which is like not ideal. <laughs> um, Give a benzodiazepine, which you did. You gave lots of it. And that's actually what you want to do. I mean, you're trying to stop the seizure. Um, so you can do, uh, I mean, lorazepam is fine. I think a lot of people use midazolam IM or Versed intramuscular. I think it hits a little bit quicker is my understanding. Okay. Um, but you can do lorazepam too. I mean, you're giving benzodiazepines. You're giving good doses of benzodiazepines too. Uh, you know, four milligrams is kind of, you know, the type of dose that you're looking at in this. So you're not, you know doing these little dink and dunk, like, oh, let's give a milligram, let's give another two. Like, you just went four, 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 (laughs) until you realized that it wasn't, you know, there was something else going on. But that's perfect. That's actually how it goes um, kind of in the the real world. So you got that one. Um, You did initiate workup of a new onset seizure. I never actually gave you the results of the CT of the head, but it would have been normal, and you've articulated that. 
and you got some basic labs, I think is fine. Um, I thought your, your lab selection was okay. I think you could have potentially gotten an alcohol level. Um, I did just late. Uh, you said aspirin, Tylenol, drug screen. Did I, you say ethanol I level? definitely said ethanol. Okay. Um, I missed that, but I believe you. Okay. So, um, yeah, you, you got the appropriate things. You could potentially have gotten a blood gas or something like that. Yes. You know, they're on the vent. Sure. They're seizing. It'll give you a pH, which would have been very, that would have been very acidotic, obviously. Um, did you notice anything wrong with those test results? Um. That I gave you? <laughs> no. My mind was racing. No. Um, you, you said anion gap. You asked, you actually, you asked it twice. Oh my God. And what did you tell me? It was 22. Ah, uh, okay. And so I, I mean, I'm this guessing, is one of those classic. I'm guessing it was hopefully lactic acidosis from seizing maybe. I don't know. Partially. No, partially. It's that. What else is in your, what is the mnemonic for anion gap metabolic acidosis? Mud piles. All right. Oh, what's, the, uh, iso- what's mud piles? it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's one of those things that you don't really think of, but in you know, this is like a type of scenario where it'd be important. Like isoniazid, like people do overdose on that. So, um, you did that and you gave the pyridoxine. Um, so you actually hit all the critical actions. So good job. I thought you were a little disorganized. So I don't think you would have like completely crushed the case because I thought it was a little scattered. You know, like doing the exam after the patient's admitted and things like that. Not quite <laughs> ideal. Um, you were a little delayed on the glucose. You were a little delayed on the temp. Those things need to be up front in that first – before you – like it's that first, you know, can I get some vitals? Can we get them hooked up to the monitor? Can I get a glucose? Mm-hmm. You know, can I get a temp? So that should have been very much up front. So you were delayed on that. You were delayed on your exam. Um, and then on the history. So the reason I did this case is I wanted to use it as the example for the teaching point that if you have sick patients on the boards that – it's a lot of times if there's no history available, you want to, there's certain sources that you can use to try to, to get information on that. And that's fair. And so like, you know, if it's the boards, like they may have some old medical records that they would show you or something Mm -hmm. like that's a possibility. Or you could say, you know, can we send EMS to their house or just show that you're trying to get some of that additional history. The only thing that you really did to try to get additional history was you asked, does anyone know him or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and okay. I mean, you should have tried to get a little harder to get the medical history. Um, so again, uh, so like things that you could do would be like getting old records, say, Hey, can we have someone look in the computer for old records? Um, you could say, you know, can we have someone try to call family or something like that? Mm-hmm. You know, for the history part, say, does anyone yeah. know this guy? No. Can we try to call family or Just something? Just get like collateral in any way possible. Yeah. You want to get collateral. And between those two things, you know, I would say records, trying to call family members and then trying to talk to EMS and say, hey, you know, if this had been an EMS patient, which it wasn't, but you could say, hey, you know, did you see anything at the house? And so trying to collect some collateral history from other sources when the history, when the patient can't provide it to you, um, it, that I, I, I don't know, maybe it won't happen every time, but I would imagine that they're going to have some sort of backup history source that you can use so you can be sure that they don't have allergies and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're Okay. So, um, that was the real reason I did this case. I think it's good. It's good practice for you kind of keeping things in order, but I also wanted to to kind of demonstrate to you that there's other, 
like, and this will be on the oral board too. There's other potential sources that you can ask for. It's like when you practice for this, you know, like there's a lot of this in like, if you use what's it called the Akuda book, there's different books for the oral boards. Like they kind of teach you, you know, try to get history from, from wherever. Um, and, it, and it'll be pretty obvious if you're not meant to have any history at all. If they say, nope, EMS checked and there's no family and there's nothing in the chart, you're like, I don't know what else, you know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what else to ask. But um, to, you, you do need to try to get something. And so you can, you can ask for that. It doesn't all have to come from the patient. It can come from other sources. That's one of the big reasons why I put that there. But you passed the case. I thought, you know, it wasn't your strongest showing because it was a little scattered. Mm-hmm. But you did hit all the critical actions. I do think you would have probably passed this case in the real world to be my guess. Um, oh, and a couple of things that you also did really well. So you did the succinylcholine, which is smart. Um, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're getting good. That was a smart. And we, tell everyone in the audience that's listening why you did succinylcholine and not rocuronium. Because uh, sucks lasts like five minutes. Um, and for someone who's seizing, you know, if they're paralyzed, I'm not going to know they're seizing or not. And if I were to leave somebody in status for the time that I waited for like rock to wear off, like 30 minutes or an hour or however long rock lasts, um, much longer than sucks, then his brain would be fried. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know what the technical cutoff is for how long it takes for a brain to fry. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> But, but that's right. So the rocuronium for everyone that's listening is very long acting and succinylcholine is very short acting. And this um, is important in many scenarios, one of which would be status because you don't want to paralyze them for 50 minutes because you'll have no idea if they're still having seizures or if they have recurrent seizures. You won't have any neuro exam. You won't have anything. Um, whereas succinylcholine wears off right away. The other reason that this is important is with succinylcholine, um, it's to get your sedation right. So it's, it's interesting. Sometimes in the hospital, I like to use rock myself. Yeah. Um, I tend to use rock uranium because it's easier to remember the dosing. There's less contraindications. The thing that happens though, was when, you know, you have these patients where the rock wears off in 45 minutes and then all of a sudden the nurses are grabbing you and they're like, oh, they're really agitated and they're pulling at everything. Well, that's because they're under sedated, you know, propofol doesn't have any analgesic effects. So they're feeling the tube in their throat and probably for that 45 minutes, they've been awake. <laughs> and you and it's it's like torturing them. Yeah, like lock, locked in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like they're locked in. Imagine you're sitting there, you can't move a muscle, and you have a tube in your throat, and you can actually feel it hurting and scratching, and you, you know it's a disaster. And so you, it, it it it's very important that you get your sedation right. And sometimes it becomes really obvious that your sedation is not right. Like if you use succinylcholine, you'll notice that the nurses come to you after five minutes and they're like, they're all over the place. And the only difference it was that your sedation wouldn't have been right anyways. Only now, you know, you know that it, does that make sense? The paralytic wore off sooner and you realize sooner that your sedation was off. Um, so if you're going to use something like rock uranium, I think it's like generally what I do is I give some, uh, sorry, hydromorphone. Can't use the brand name allotted. Um, (laughs) I give a couple milligrams of that right away just to give them some analgesic. Even if the sedation is not right, at least I know that they have some analgesic on board. Sure. Um, you know, I give them a pretty good dose of, of sedation because you just can't titrate anything. You, you don't know if they're having seizures. You don't know if they're under sedated because they're just completely paralyzed with rocket running for about, what is it, 45 minutes? I could look it up. Something like but that. But it's a while. Yeah. 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 So, um, but really smart to kind of change your mind on that. That was um, showing some advanced thinking, advanced thinking. Um, and then with the RSI, I th- you know, on the test, I, sometimes they're going to make you like articulate it a little bit more on your process for that, but that wasn't really what I was trying to get at today. So I just let you, let you bypass that. Okay. 
So, um, good job. What do you think? Anything else? Any other thoughts? Um, something else just to bring up for teaching points. Sometimes bef- in the morning, before morning shifts, we'll do like morning report. And one of the attendings will run like a mock case with us. And this is where this was like drilled into my brain. But if someone comes in seizing and you need to tube them, use propofol because it has anti-seizure properties. Um, it's kind of like a two for one there. There's a book out there um, that Scott Weingart did called The Resuscitation Crisis Manual. And it's almost like a little, it's like a, a ringed book. And it's like waterproof and stuff. It's it's meant to be kind of like kept at bedside is I think the idea. But um, on their status epilepticus, so like their 10 steps would be like do your ABCs, uh, get the, you know, the assistance, give the, the your benzodiazepine, check your blood sugar, um, start your phosphene or whatever. And then you check for hyponatremia. Um, if they, you know, if you need to do your intubation, you're checking for intubation, you know, you're doing your intubation stuff. Um, and then for their intubation, they said that you could use like Keppra. They said that Keppra has some anti-epileptic in it too. Oh, no way. Propofol does. You definitely want to do succinylcholine, although, I mean, you just, that's the, you know, art, the art of medicine is to use succinylcholine, I guess. And then you can always do like a benzodiazepine infusion, which has a lot mm-hmm. of more of the delirium type issues with it. But, you know, usually you do the propofol. Pretty high doses of propofol, too. Um, you'll find that if, you, like, this book says, you know, you're infusing the propofol at 80 mics per kilogram per minute is what this the dose in this book is. I mean, that's, like, really high. That is way higher than any nursing protocol. That's, like above where their protocol cuts off, you know, (laughs) they'll be like, you want to skip how much? (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) Um, so, you know, you're giving high doses of propofol. Um, but yeah, nope, you're absolutely right. And this is one of those ones too, that are always really annoying when you're, when you're practicing, you either know about isoniazid toxicity and refractory seizures or you don't, you know, so this is a case that's like fairly straightforward. If you're heard of, if this is on your radar and you're like, the seizure's not getting better, the seizure's not getting better. I checked my sodium. I checked my sugar. Uh, isoniazid, <laughs> like you said it right away. You're like, is this person being treated for latent TB? Like you're all <laughs> over it. You know, this is one of those ones where you either know it or you don't. So, but good job. You pass. You're, 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 you've taken the lead. You've taken the lead despite your malnutrition and your, your malnutrition and poor dentition. <laughs> um, actually, I, I have another a question slash discussion point. Um, you know, in real life, when all this is going down, a lot of things are happening simultaneously. But do you ever give hypertonic saline without a sodium level? Let's say you have a perfect history on this guy, uh, no history of isoniazid use, none of his friends are being treated for latent TB, he has like no access to isoniazid, it's refractory to benzos, refractory to phosphen. Would you just go ahead and give him the 3% saline? Or do you wait for the CB, the BMP to come back? So I would not. I would wait for the BMP to come back. And if it was on my radar, I'd get, you know, a gas or something. Because um, a lot of times those have the electrolytes on it too or like a point of care. Um, I would not myself. Okay. Unless it was like, you know, I, I don't know, the 100% for sure scenario, but I would not. Um, ask your attending, see what they would do. I, I've had a couple of those. My like really bad statuses tend to be the hyponatremia ones. That's the one I feel like mm-hmm. I've seen the most. Um, but, uh, no, I, I've never given it without my sodium back. Okay. 
All is, right. is the answer to your question. Um, you can also do, there's some, there's some uh, fun blogs out there where you can do like sodium bicarb in theory too, other than hypertonic. I think hypertonic is kind of the dosing and the one that we're all used to, but you can definitely give a couple, like some amps of sodium bicarb I hear, and I've done that before. It actually worked pretty well. So interesting. All right. The art of medicine. What's that? I said the art of medicine. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Dr. Google. Um, as far as <laughs> the ice night or the pyridoxine drip, I, I don't honestly don't know. Um, ask some of the IC people. I don't know what they do up there. Um, your, your classic is you're kind of given that first dose in the ED of that, um, pyridoxine and like, that's where my knowledge drops off. Yeah. I don't, I don't know beyond that. Um, and as far as if there's an isonized level, I've never drawn it. I, I, it looks like online that there probably is, is what I'm seeing, but you know, I don't necessarily know if it gets drawn a lot. Yeah. Can't say I've ever ordered it or even tried to order it. So, okay. you know, in the real world, you can always ask. So, um, there's yeah. always someone you can ask. There's a poison controller or somebody around and, you know, worst case scenario, you know, like what's, how does it change clinical management to do the ice niacid? Right. You know, well, it, yeah, the, the who knows? It, yeah. it, it might in the ICU. It doesn't change anything. We yeah. Do in so, it, you know, it'd be a good question for like some of the critical care people. I honestly don't know. So anyways, yeah. but that, that wraps it up everybody. Otherwise you just had your in-service, right, Mike? Yes, I did. Did it go? How does it, how does it feel? <laughs> what were your feelings? Oh man. Um, it, you know, first pass through the test, I was like, holy crap. These are really specific questions. Like, it was actually pretty eye-opening to how much we really need to know as ED physicians because it was so specific to like the exact next step you do and all the next steps are correct, but it's like the next one. Um, but looking back on it, I think I did well. We'll see. Um, I don't want to be too prowess with how I felt I did and then bomb it. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and for everyone who's listening to, so the in-service, you'll hear that out there. It's basically like a, like how would you describe it? It's like a practice written boards. So like your actual yeah. boards, when you become a doctor, there's like the written test and then there's the oral the oral test where you're, you're with doctors and they're kind of drilling you or whatever and they do cases. Um, so the in-service is kind of like a, it's like a practice um, written board that you do every year as a resident. And I, what is it? It's obviously the end of February. Last I think there's like a specific date. Last yeah, there's a yeah. It's it's this week. Um, like I know programs are doing it different days this week, but this is the week for the ED in service exam. Like the last week of February. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, um, but send us an email, everybody. We hope you hope you enjoy. This is a classic case. This one's a classic. If you're going into like emergency medicine residency, just learn this now because you'll hear this. Someone's gonna get this case on a on a sim day or something. This is a pretty classic case. Um, Let's see. Send us an email, uh, Zach at emclerkship.com and Mike at emclerkship.com with any feedback, uh, case ideas, whatever. We'd like to hear from you. And until next month, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.